Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Elaine B., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Today is Wednesday, April 18th, 2018. Today we're reading from the big book, and we are in We Agnostics. We're on page 52, reading the fourth and last paragraph that begins with the Wright Brothers' almost childish faith. We'll be reading and commenting on one paragraph only today. Today's readers are Valerie B. for the 12 Steps, Libby E. for the 12 Traditions, Karen R., Catherine M., and Penny L.C. The reference number for the 10 a.m. meeting yesterday, Tuesday, April 18th, at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, is 11,307. That's 11307. The reference number for this morning's 7 a.m. meeting for Wednesday, April 18th, 2018, is 11,310, 11310. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive overeating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Valerie B. to please read the 12 steps. Star one to unmute, please, Valerie. Good morning. This is Valerie B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Maryland. Um, step one, we admitted we were powerless over, over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all people we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, <clears throat> having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting uh, thank you for letting me share. And I didn't have my glasses, so forgive me. <laughs> have a good day. <laughs> that was fine, Valerie B. Thank you so much. And I will now ask Libby E. to please read the Twelve Traditions. Thank you. Good morning. I'm Libby E., Recovered Compulsive Eater in New York. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. 
Four, each group should be autonomous except the matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Libby E. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the direction for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book, and we agnostics on page 52, reading the fourth paragraph, the last paragraph, beginning with the Wright brothers' almost childish faith. We'll just be reading one paragraph and commenting on that. And I will ask Karen R. to please begin reading. Hi, this is Karen R., compulsive overeater anorexic bulimic in North Carolina. Recovering along. Can you hear me? Can I be heard? Yes, just fine. Thank you, Karen. Okay. The Wrights brothers' almost childish faith that they could build a machine which would fly was the mainspring of their accomplishment. Without that, nothing could have happened. We agnostics and atheists were sticking to the idea that self-sufficiency would solve our problem. When others showed us that God's sufficiency worked for them, we began to feel like those who had insisted their rights would never fly. <sighs> okay. It's a privilege and honor to read this morning. Um, the thing that jumping out at me um, was a self-sufficiency idea. Um, I just relate to that because my my disease would love for me to just be self-sufficient and not rely on anybody, <laughs> you know, be isolated. I'm an isolator. Um, so it was, it's almost going against the flow for me, going against the tide of what I've always done to reach out for help. And it's something that I have to do because I have to do my... 10, 11, and 10, 11, step four and five sometimes. Um, so I'm, I'm forced into, I am forced into being God dependent <laughs> and having that faith, um, which is a gift. Um, it's a gift to um, turn to God. And the part where it talks about, um, uh, let's see, without that, nothing could have happened. Yeah, the childlike faith. 
for me to like just rest in the idea that I'm going to be taken care of no matter what happens. Um, that I have to, that I will be okay as long as I do these simple steps in this program. Um, and that it's going to be new. Um, my faith is going to be renewed and changed and built upon as I go through life because life will hand me things that test me. Um, the other day I had to stand up for my parents in a hospital. I had to get assertive totally against the way I used to be. Um, but God did it through me, I believe. Um, and and I can only owe that to this program because I've had to set aside my mind, my crazy alcoholic thinking, I have to set it aside and do what God is egging me to do. And um Yeah. So I have to, I I do what they they ask me to do. I follow the program and I put my life and those around me in God's hands and it always turns out better. In fact, Usually, it's beyond my wildest dreams. So, the other thing I want to say really quick before I run out of time is, um, I, I'm aware that the Wrights brothers they crashed a few times. <laughs> you know, they did before they they got up there, and and I think that's how I feel about my life. You know, like my life, I I I keep going ahead. I'm not going to be perfect. I'm going to be human. But God will still work through me. I will be able to learn from from those times where I crash. And I will be able to use that to help others. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you very much, Karen R. Who would like to comment on that last paragraph on page 52? Me, Elsa. P. I heard somebody before, Dorita. Who was that? Penny Elsie. Penny Elsie. Dorita P. Mary Jane Z. Mary Jane Z. Mary Jane Z. Raj G. Jen A. Jen A. Erica T. Um, Is that Erica T? Yes. Okay. Okay, that's a great start. Penny Elsie. Dorita P. Gloria. Gloria. Ann. Gloria N. Okay. I got Penny L. C., Dorita P., Mary Jane Z., Roz G., Jen A., Erica T., and Gloria N. Great lineup. So, Penny L. C., you're first, followed by Dorita P. Please go ahead. Thank you, Elaine, and good morning. Good morning to everyone on the line. This is Penny L. C., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from the state of Washington. And I appreciate that this entire chapter is full of reasons to believe. And here is yet another one. You know, when others showed us that God's sufficiency worked for them. I think that is one of the greatest gifts of this program for me to come to these rooms, so to speak, these virtual rooms, and hear how faith has worked in so many others' lives that it, gives, it gave me that hope that it could work in my life as well if I was just willing to do a few simple steps. And um, and I had pushed away my childish faith um, over the years with all of kinds of adult rationalizations and intellectual, you know, high horse uh, type of thinking. And um, instead... I allow, I've allowed myself to go back and rethink it and realize that that same way I can come to this idea that uh, there is a higher power there for me who is there that loves me and cares for me just as I am in my brokenness and it will always be there for me. 
and I can just take that on faith as I did as a child to believe in things and know that it can be true. And then as I do that, as I, as I allow myself to do that, it does unfold. And I understand how God's sufficiency does work the way it has worked for others and it begins to work for me. It began to work for me and has continued to work for me. And it has allowed me to fly. And I'm so grateful with that. I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Penny LC. Dorita P., you're up next, followed by Mary Jane C. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Hi. My name is Dorita P. from Cleveland. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And I'm really grateful to be here. It's a privilege and honor to be at a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Everybody do not get this opportunity for whatever reason, so I'm really grateful I have a seat here. Yes, I'm just going to focus on this last part. It said we began to feel like those who had insisted the right the rights would never fly. Yeah, I'm just um, I I had so many um, fixed ideas, um, and I really believed them to be true. And uh, like the last word. Um, but I was just so wrong. Um, and I'm looking at this part, the paragraph above, that just says, um, we had to stop doubting the power of God. I, our ideas did not work, but the God idea did. And, um, you know, I um, I guess I always believed that, you know, there was, some power, but I know uh, when I came in, I was angry at God. Um, a few people, uh, some people had died uh, uh, in, in a two-year span, and so, uh, you know, really very special people to me. My uh, grandfather, my grandmother, my father, my cousin, who was my best friend, and a guy that I really liked, uh, he died of, um, he died of AIDS. And um, so God was just taking these, you know, loved ones away from me. So I, I felt like the guy that we're going to read about at the end of the chapter that, um, you know, if there is a guy, he sure hasn't done anything for me. Um, so for me, I'm just going to act as if there is no God. And for me, acting as if there is no God just mean I would just go through life and treat people, you know, however I felt like treating them. I, I would have like no... Um, I don't know, no, um, you know, like I, I, I didn't care, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I don't care, but, you know, and I'll close with this and say, um, somebody told me, well, it's better to, so I believe, this is just my belief, that I find out whether there is a God when, when I die, so somebody told me, well, it's better to believe now and, and act as if there is a God now. Um, and find out later there is no God, then to act as if there is no God, and then find out later that, ooh, yeah, there there is a God. So I'm just really grateful to be here, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Dorita P. Mary Jane Z, you're up next, followed by Roz G. Good morning. This is Mary Jane Z, recovered in Kentucky, and I just finished reading a book about the Wright Brothers because I wanted to understand their childish faith. Um, and they really did have it. I mean, it was their destiny. They they could not have not done it. I mean, that it didn't matter what people said. People thought they were crazy. No one helped them, but they persevered because deep down within them, there was the belief that they could do it. And um, I believe that deep down within all of us, as it says in the book somewhere else, that is there, there is God. And there's a term called autopoiesis. And it's, um, I'll try to explain it. I'm not scientific. But my understanding of this word is that it's whatever is inside a system to, that the system can create itself. It becomes what it's supposed to be. The example that was given to me was that of an acorn. There is nothing on the outside of that acorn that can make an acorn be anything but what it's supposed to be. It's its destiny to become an oak tree. And I believe inside of us, 
inside of me, inside of everyone, is, is the God consciousness. And once we wake up to the fact that it's there, it's our destiny to try to do everything we can to find out what it is that's blocking us and to bring about that connection and to work towards growing and whatever we have to do. And this program, the 12 steps, it is, it is miraculous that, I mean, it is divinely inspired because it, it can enable anyone to get rid of what's blocking them and to reconnect with our higher power and live out what our true lives are supposed to be. And it's, it's freedom. And I just, you know, it's like, I've, I hear things all the time and I've said them myself, I'm afraid to make that call. Well, what was I ever afraid to take that bite? No. I mean, all the things, if I, if my plumbing in my house was broken, would I not make call after call to get it fixed? You know, but no, I sit around waiting and um, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm I grasp the flimsy reed and it is growing. It is a muscle. And for newcomers on the line or people struggling, don't give up. The only thing you can do wrong is to give up. Just keep walking. Do we get upset with babies when they fall? No. We encourage them. Come on, you can do it. And you can too. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Mary Jane Z. Uh, Roz G, you're up next, followed by Jen A. Good morning. My name is Roz G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Los Angeles, and I wanted to drill down, as Charles says, on the word childish faith. When I was a kid, I always wanted to be a grown-up. I wanted to, you know, do what grown-ups do. And as a grown-up, I want to go back to being a kid. And what I mean by that is, I don't want to pay bills. I want to go on the uh, the merry-go-round. I want to play in the park. I want to swing. And what I mean by that is, it's like the slogan, easy does it. Keep it simple. I complicated things. This This program, these 12 steps are not quadratic algebraic problems. So I have to have a balance between being a mature woman yet having a childlike approach to some step work. And some of those slogans are just three words or like the the shortest sentence in the big book or whatever, you know, it works. It really does. Was my problem selfishness? One word. Dishonesty? One word. Resentment? One word. Fear, one word. Not having to go through a workbook and spend six months writing my life story about what my character defects are, who I married, why I was messed up. To me, that's not childlike. And I may sound kind of strange, but, you know, just my take on this is that I, I like to approach the steps with childlike faith. Easy does it. Keep it simple. If nothing changes, nothing changes. To me, those are very, um, it's the sobering thoughts. One or two words. That's what works for me. I want to be a kid in some ways, but I don't want to be an immature woman uh, that I used to be. I want to be a grown-up and do grown-up things, but I also want to have a childlike faith and believe that there is a God and that he is taking care of me, he loves me, and he is the one that can relieve me of the compulsion to overeat. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Rosji. Jen A., you're up next, followed by Erica T. Good morning. This is Jen. Can I be heard? Yes. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Um, my name is Jen A. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic from the state of Colorado. So grateful to have a seat here this morning with you all. Um, I definitely need to continue to hear this over and over again. Thank you, Bill, for always drilling at home. <laughs> he knew what we needed. Um, for me, the Wright brothers, 
man, if you can design a plane and you can figure out how to fly a plane, in my book, you're pretty stinking smart. <laughs> and for me, I'm not that kind of girl. I'm not the one who has all the knowledge and the answers and, and all that kind of stuff. And so when these knowledgeable gentlemen want to fly an airplane and they're going to do it with childlike faith, that to me I have to sit and, and think about, you know, because childlike faith is the, it's, un, it's, it's, just, it's just a faith that, wow, anything's possible. You know, I got a 10-year-old daughter. She's got childlike faith still. She can do anything. She's fearless and nothing's going to stand in her way. Um, and I see that in her every single day, but me as an adult, I don't have that childlike faith every single day. Um, why? Because <laughs> I'm human. I've built up these walls from everything that's happened in my life. And so now the cool part is, is that I'm being taught in this book and this practical program of action is telling me that I need to trust. I need to trust in something that's bigger and better than me with that childlike faith that my child has, that my daughter has. Um, and uh, I have a situation at work right now, and it's, it's pretty hard. And I'm telling you, I put pen to paper every single week, if not once or twice a week, um, dealing with the people in my office. <laughs> and more is not dealing with them. It's just figuring out what my part needs to be and how I need to show up. And this, this reading today reminds me, um, it reminds me of three things. One, I am not God. Two, I need to quit playing God. And three, I need to trust God. Just like the Wright brothers, right? I need to trust. I need to take his hand. I need to hop in that airplane. And I just need to take off and soar. And that's where I'm going today is I'm just going to be free to fly. And as soon as I've heard this today, I'm looking on the bulletin board in my, in my uh, bedroom, and my daughter drew me a picture last about six, seven months ago, and it's a butterfly, and on that it says, free to fly. Is it odd or is it God? So I'm here. I'm free to fly, um, and uh, I'm just going to grab God's hand and go. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jen A. Erica T., you're up next, followed by Gloria M. Hi, this is Erica T. from Northern California. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you. Thank you. Um, this, um, this is a really great reading this morning. It's making me think about um, this idea of being God-dependent versus um, self-dependent. And, uh, and what does that really mean to me? I, intellectually, I can say, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Um, I get that. And, uh, but thinking this morning about what does that look like practically in my life? How would I behave if I were really being God-dependent? Um, and I'm so used to being self-dependent. I'm a very independent woman. Um, you know, I was a single parent for many years, and I'm just used to taking care of whatever needs to be taken care of in my life. Um, but the situation that comes up this morning is I realize for me, if I'm really God-dependent, that also means that I allow myself to um, to sometimes rely on other people in my life. Um, you know, I had this friend once who would say, if we're not meant to relate to and interact with all these people, with other people in the world, then why are all these people around us? Why did God put us on the earth with other people and not just alone by ourselves? And um, so for me, um, I have to learn to let other people in. And that's one of the things that I'm learning in this program. And um, and I'm also in this new relationship. And it's just terrifying to let someone in that much. Um, and it's so clear to me on so many levels that this relationship is a gift in my life. Um, and it, I believe that it's one of the ways that God is teaching me um, you can let other people in and you can rely on other people. Um, and it, it's only because of this program that I'm even in a place where I could um, think about doing this. And, um, and the same goes for, you know, reaching out to other people in the program. And um, so for me, those relationships are just a huge piece 
of learning to be God dependent um, because so many gifts come from those interactions when I let them happen. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Erica T. Gloria N., you're up next. Yes, this is Gloria uh, N. in Ohio. Good morning, everyone. Um, I wanted to say that um, this God dependency idea, uh, I grew up uh, uh, with people that were religious and demonstrated their faith, and uh, but I didn't have a personal relationship with God uh, for many years later. Uh, but uh, I did reach a, a point where I was humbled and I called on God and, and he helped me. He came through. Uh, he came through for me. But uh, at some point, I took back uh, the power to myself, thinking that I was self-sufficient because I was able to accomplish things that were very challenging and, and against the odds. And I got the idea that if it is to be, it is up to me. But uh, once again, situations arose where I needed power outside of myself, and it took a long time for me to humble and accept that I was not self-sufficient and that it was not all up to me and to ask for help and to accept the help and to trust that the help would come when needed, uh, that God's timing is precise and he knows when and how. Um, this is humbling, and, but it is my place. It is uh, my role to be childlike and to accept uh, godly direction. I'm so thankful, so grateful that I came to this program and that I have the support and um, of of the membership of the fellowship, other visionaries. I'm so thankful for this program, and with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Gloria N. So for those of you who came on a little later, we are in We Agnostics. We're on page 52. We're reading, we read and we're commenting on the last paragraph, which begins with the Wright Brothers' almost childlike faith. Who would like to comment on this paragraph? Kathleen O. Kathleen O. I want to unmute if you'd like to put your name out there to share. Mary Marska H. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't get your name. What is that again? H? Marianne Rifka H. Marianne Rifka. Okay, great. Anybody else? Nancy L. Nancy L. One more. Victoria L. Victoria L. Okay, let's go with that. Kathleen O, Miriam Rifka H, Nancy L, and Victoria L. Please go ahead, Kathleen O. Thank you, Elaine. Thanks for your service this morning. This is Kathleen O, recovered in Northern California. And the Wright brothers almost childish state, childish faith that they could build a machine that would fly was the mainspring of their accomplishment. And I love this next sentence. Without that, nothing could have happened. So here we have the Wright brothers who believe that they can do this, even though a lot of people are telling them they're crazy, this isn't going to happen, a lot of non-believers around them. But they held on to their belief that they could do it. And I actually visited Kitty Hawk several years ago, and there's they have little monuments on the three spots where they did those three flights that day. And the, the first flight was, they were up about 30 seconds. The second flight, I think it was a minute or something. And each time they got a little further. So they didn't give up. They didn't take the first flight and say, oh, well, that didn't, that didn't really kill our expectations. We thought we'd be up longer and further. And, you know, they kept working at it. And, and the key here is that they took the action. And, you know, I came into this program 
um, I had the gift of, I had God, I had the gift of desperation. I was so sick and tired of being sick and tired. And so I did take that, that leap of faith. You know, I came in as a non-believer and um, I was a doubter for sure and self-sufficient, but I realized my self-sufficient ways got me nowhere. They got me a lot of misery and they, and, and I was very overweight. And so it's like, okay, I'm going to believe this. And that was the first thing. I just had to believe. And as I continued to take the action, my connection with my higher power, you know, my concept began to change. Um, it got stronger and stronger. And so, you know, a lot of the non-believers with the Wright brothers and, and the whole airplane thing and flight, you know, probably got on one as time went on, you know, this was, I think back in 1903 and, and the things that have changed in that period of time, a period of time that, you know, yes, I'm, <laughs> I never thought we'd have the technology we have now. It just, you know, I'm, I'm from the day of dial up, dial up phones with party lines and to be able to walk around with a cell phone and, you know, Skype people. I mean, it's, it's incredible. So, so it is about just taking that leap of faith, believing, and then the most important thing is to take the action. Because if we don't take the action, believing's not going to do us any good. We'll make we'll make no progress at all. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Kathleen O. Marion Rivka H. You're up next, followed by Nancy L. Hi, it's Miriam Rifkage, Recovered Compulsive Eater in New Jersey. Thank you so much for your service and for this opportunity. Um, so, you know, in reading this, I, I thought of something. I, I kind of, I've shared before that I, I came into program believing in God already and not really trusting that that was going to be enough to get me recovered, to take away this food problem. Um, you know, I thought I already knew what God reliance means. Um, and so instead of following what the program suggesting to me, I practiced some more self-sufficiency. Um, I thought that if I try harder and do the tools of the program as they're being told to me, then I'll be okay. So I was trying to, you know, measure my food and commit my food to a sponsor and make several phone calls and read from certain books and even, you know, even in working the steps to do a really thorough fourth step or, you know, write out every single thing that ever happened to me, anyone that I was ever resentful towards. And I still found myself struggling in the food um, because I never really accepted this whole concept that, of a higher power that I could really rely on. I never came to have that in the course of my working the steps. I was more looking at it as some kind of a magic potion that if I just do it all right, I'm going to come out the other side and be recovered. The funny thing is also, it's it's talking here about, you know, the people who said the Wright brothers would never fly, right? This is before they actually were able to accomplish it. And then they probably felt kind of silly after that they were insisting that it would never happen, but then it did. But I was even going a step further than that. I had the Wright brothers had already flew, right? I had all these recovered people around me who were telling me that it works, that this is what they did, and they recovered, and I was still looking at them and saying, no, that won't work. And they're encouraging us here, you know, if your way is not working, try it this other way. This God idea works. You know, follow these instructions, and it's going to be different. Um and it's just, you know, I don't know why it had to take me so long to finally get that, but thank God, you know, I can be here today, and I, I, I have a higher power that I need to continually work on my relationship with, and I do have this neutrality around food today, which I never, ever, ever, ever thought was possible. I always thought the best I could hope for is that I will be able to stick to my diet. So I'm very grateful for everything this book has to offer, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Miriam Rivka. H, Nancy L, you're up next, followed by Victoria L. Good morning, everyone. This is Nancy L from Arizona. I thank you for all being here, and welcome to the newcomers. Um, the last two people just took everything that was on my heart to say. It was wonderful. I loved it. Um, so 
I will come up with something. Um, the first time I ever got in an airplane, it was in the 60s, and um, my mother just thought it was going to be a real great idea for us to fly down into the Grand Canyon and, you know, just rent a plane and have someone fly us down. And, um, you know, I did it, and I was scared, but if nobody had ever flown down in the Grand Canyon again, are you kidding? No way would I have gone. But, you know, I could see that, you know, this was just a thing that, that everybody does. They take a donkey down the Grand Canyon, they fly down, and, and everybody makes it for the most part. I think they had a couple of crashes. But anyway, that's how I was when I came in the program. I was so skeptical, and I, I really didn't want to buy any literature. or. But then I just started to hear of a few people that this way of life was working for them. And, um, you know, and I thought, wow, I've tried everything else. There's absolutely nothing other than, you know, I could, could have done surgery. I don't think they had surgery in the 60s like they do today, lap band and all that. But So anyway, it was because of seeing people recovered in this program that I thought, well, I think I'm going to take the step and then wind up taking all 12 steps. And then I found out a, a vision for you, and it has just absolutely changed my life. My higher power has changed my life, um, and he's brought me to this program. I believe he's brought me here. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy L. Victoria L., you're up next. Hi, this is Victoria L. Can you hear me okay? Yes, thank you. Okay. Good morning, everyone. My name is Victoria L. And I'm so grateful to be on the phone bridge this morning. I'm um, new for Vision for You. I've been in different recovery programs for a long time. And um, I actually had been failing in a different food program for the last six years. And someone turned me on to the Vision for You phone bridge meeting. And I just couldn't be more grateful. I'm like, where have you been all my life? Um, what I really loved about this this passage is, you know, kind of the three key things that jumped out for me were childish faith, self-sufficiency of the agnostics and atheists, and God's sufficiency uh, working for others. And I feel like, you know, we've spent so long going through this chapter on we agnostics, and for me, it's all about step two, and that's sort of where I get, that's sort of where I get, I've been a little bit stuck because I'm definitely the one who's like the self-sufficient person. Person, I could re really relate to the other shares that if I just keep doubling down on my efforts and doubling down on my efforts, I am going to force water up a hill and by God, I'm going to make myself get abstinent. And then I get the pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization of failing over and over again. And the way I've sort of heard it in other programs about surrendering is like, let go or get dragged, you know, let go, because if you don't let go, you're not going to let um, God into your life. And then suddenly it dawned on me. I'm like, oh, my God, I all these years, I thought that I've had this amazing faith and belief in God. I just thought I had really great spirituality. And I realize now that I'm on the cusp of agnostic breaking through to true belief in God. And, you know, step two says came to believe a higher power will restore us to sanity. It doesn't say believe a higher power will restore us to sanity. We come to believe a higher power will restore us to sanity by the people who've gone before us basically acting as a witness for us that um, their faith and their belief is enough and we see their results, and then we start believing in a higher power because we can see through their results. And that's where I really struggle with faith because I want to see the results now. You know, I want to step on the scale tomorrow and have the scale say what I want it to say. I want to, you know, go to the gym six times a week and cut that back to three and then maybe even not go at all and still have, you know, my body look fit or whatever. And in the meantime, by because I want what I want when I want it, I'm forcing my will against God's will, and it's it's just it hasn't been working for me, and um, and it's put me through a place of uh, great humility, and I'm just really happy to have found this phone bridge, 
there's so much recovery on this line. I've got a long path ahead of me, um, but I have hope, which is really good, and I'm starting to learn a new way of having faith in God. And um, I'm only on day three, but hey, day, th- day three is day three, and I'm happy to be here, and uh, my time is up, so thank you all, Pat. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Victoria L. We have time for two, two-and-a-half-minute shares. Would anybody like Hi. to share? Hi. Yes, um, Mariana. Mariana, and then one more yeah. after Mariana. Anybody else? I think I'll take that. Sherry KB? Mariana. Oh, Sherry KB. Why don't you? Okay, that sounds great. Mariana, could you please give us the first initial of your last name as you shared before, Sherry KB? Yes. Um, so my name is Mariana D. I'm from Northern California, but now moving up to Oregon. Um, I am so um, just filled this morning with these shares. Um, when I look at this passage, what really just pops out for me is um, child, childish faith. And to me, um, life can be complicated. I could make it that way in my head. I'm pretty good at that. And I just love bringing it back down to that childish faith. And to me, that's innocence. Um, It's vulnerability. It's just being who I am um, with my fellows and also with God. And I have a friend in another 12-step program, and I love, um, she told me, she shared with me that if she's having a hard day at work, she's like, oh, I need to run out to the car and get something. And she goes, and I go out and get God. And I love that because she removes herself from the situation and embraces God and then brings him in with her. And I just feel like um, I remember a saying, you know, when you pray, you're talking to God, and when you're meditating, you're listening. And I love that. And I just think um, taking that pause and listening to my higher power, he always guides me, and it's always loving. And for me, you know, I was raised with... um, I was raised in a wonderful, loving family, and there was some guilt and shame there. And I, I kind of look at that and realize, you know, that really never worked for me. So I don't embrace that um, in my phase of life right now. And I just feel like what a blessing to have this program, to have a design for living uh, through the steps. Um, and... I don't feel helpless or hopeless or desperate. I feel like I just need to reach out because it's all there. And I just need to have the discipline to embrace those tools, to make the outreach calls, to listen, to not multitask all the time. Um, And to be mindful, but I don't want to place too many things on me where I feel like it's unattainable. Like I have to remind myself to be mindful. And there's days where I'm like, I haven't been mindful for days. Okay. So I have to remind myself, embrace that. Um, And also a big thing that I'm doing right now is just being curious. Like there's some sadness in my life around my teenage daughter who's, you know, doing what she needs to do, becoming independent. And it's kind of hard for me. And I realize, oh, thank you. Um, I'll just finish this quickly. There's like a gentle, there's a brewing of like sadness and a big cry coming. And I can look at that and not eat over it and just see it for what it is. So anyway, thank you for letting me share. Uh, This is Mariana. Thank you, Mariana. Sherry KB, you'll be our last share today. And you've got just a minute and a half. Good morning, everybody. Sherry KB in Northern California. Thank you, Sherry. Recovered compulsive reader. Can you hear me? Hello? Yes. And you've got just about a minute and a half, okay? Thank you, Sherry. Sorry, Lane, can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, I hear you now. And okay. you've got just about a minute and a half, okay, sure. Sherry? No problem. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay, just for me, the bottom line is, you know, I love what everybody shared on the meeting today about the childish faith. And, you know, I always think, think about how important it is for me to identify in. And so identifying in, if you can't do the childish faith, then how about blind faith? Um, that's the adult version, I think. And, you know, I, I thought about where can I identify in about this as well. I'm a diver, and, um, you know, I totally have faith that my um, my air tank is going to work and I'm going to be able to go down 
I've got I've gone 140 feet, which I shouldn't, but I have. Um, but basically, probably around 80 or 90. And I have faith that that's going to work, and that you know, I, I my life depends on that. And so, you know, why wouldn't I believe and, and depend on uh, that this is going to work, and that my life depends on my higher power and how, you know, I, I look at my record. And it tells us that to look at our record. And if I look at my record, my self-sufficiency has never worked around this disease at all, ever. And so for me, I need to have God's sufficiency and believe in God. And if it's not childish faith, then it's got to be blind faith. And um, I just love I love this story because without that, nothing can happen for me. Because um, nothing had ever happened for me until I did have faith in a higher power that could could solve my problem and put down the food and do this work. And it's amazing. And you can have it too. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sherry KB. There's somebody who's maybe moving some dishes around or something. And I will ask you to press star one to mute your phone. Um, Thank you so much, Sherry KB and everybody who has shared. We're going to transition the meeting now by reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Catherine, Catherine M. please read a vision for you? Hi, this is Catherine M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Seattle. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come, if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.